Daw Nation, how you doing this fine day? My name is Wyatt Troy and I want to welcome you to episode 8.5 of Behind the Daw, where we usually interview music producers, artists, music industry experts on an emotional, philosophical, artistic, music business basis. But as you notice, this is a 0.5 episode. What the heck does that mean? Well, don't worry. I'll explain it to you. A point five episode is when we take the audio from our YouTube series in the DAW, where we invite artists to dissect their songs in real time. We put it in a podcast form so that you can partake of it on the go. Get that perfect combination of emotional and technical knowledge all in the same place. Now, don't worry if you still want to watch in the DAW. By all means, you completely can. Go ahead and go to YouTube and search in the DAW, and then you put in the particular name of the artist that you want to see. And it should pop up. It should be right there. But you know, if you're like me, you drive a lot, you're on the go a lot, you listen to things a lot, podcasts are amazing. Go ahead and partake of the episodes here. So before I introduce our guest for this week, uh, I got three things I want to talk to you about there. They are three links down in the description. Number one is a link to the Patreon. Now, In the Dawn, Behind the Dawn will always be free. You will always be able to partake of these wonderful interviews for free. But if you want to help us out so that we can keep these interviews going, I would highly suggest checking out the Patreon. It really helps us out. Plus, you get secret exclusive content. Huh? And the way that you get that is through the In the Dawn, Behind the Dawn private Discord community, which is only accessible if you are a patron. So if you want to pay $1 a month to not only make sure that we can keep going with this podcast, as well as getting access to that private Discord community, go ahead and check it out. Link in the description. Next thing on the list is the the link in the description for suggestions. If you have suggestions for people to come on the show, go ahead and click that link. It'll take you to the DawBot and you can tell him all of your secrets. And that would extremely help us out with knowing who we should bring on the show next. And finally, the final link has to do with private lessons. Now, this has created quite a buzz amongst our fans, and I'm really happy to hear that. We've had a lot of success with teaching private lessons so far, so if you want private lessons in electronic music production or in social media marketing, go ahead and click that link down in the description. So with all that out of the way, who are we interviewing today? Well, just as promised in our last episode of Behind the Dot, which was episode eight, we are going to be breaking down White Light's song, Happy Hour. It's a song that's playing right now. And it is a song that was playing in the last episode as well. So we're going to be breaking that down. Here's a couple things that we're going to be talking about today. Things that are very important, especially if you want to get into collaborating and collaborating in different genres. So we're going to be talking about working with a vocalist of a different genre. How is that easy? How is it hard? Is it fun? Is it not fun? We'll get into it. The second thing that we're going to be talking about is collaborating and understanding different needs, wants, and expectations with the person that you are collaborating with. We all know the feeling of when we're collaborating with someone and they send it back and we literally cringe from the thing that they did, all right? We have to learn how to get through that. We have to learn how to work with that. Another thing that we're going to be talking about today is utilizing the best features of the genre that you're collaborating with. So for example, in this episode, White Light is going to be talking about how he collaborated with a country singer for an electronic song. I go into some of my favorite things about country music and what I wish he would have utilized in there. Because whenever you're collaborating, it should be that. It should be a collaboration. It shouldn't be the person's version of your song. It should be a perfect combination of your music and their music, right? A fusion, if you will. So we're going to talk about that. There's a bunch of other things that we're going to talk about, but I I walked away with those with the big things that really, really helped me. So if you like this episode, please like, comment, subscribe, repost, follow, you know, whatever is appropriate on the particular platform 
that you are listening on. It helps us know that what we are doing is legitimate. Again, you can do that on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Deezer, YouTube, wherever it is. It just helps us know that we're on the right path, giving you the things that you need. And with all that said, and with all that out of the way, I really hope you enjoy this episode. And now without further ado, I want to introduce you to White Light. with a country singer. Oh man, it was like really, really difficult. <laughs> difficult, fun, overwhelming, but overall it was a learning experience. I think the hardest part was that I've never worked with a country artist before, so there's a lot of vocal techniques that they use that in modern day electronic music, it just like doesn't really fit. So you have to do like a lot of vocal processing to really get it to fit. So I think that was my biggest challenge. You have an example of that? Let's go in here. So I'll pull up the vocals. So as you can see, they're kind of all chopped up. And so for people that are familiar with Logic, we've got this awesome thing in here. Basically, Melodyne is like built into here. Yeah, and it's called, so, it's called, it's called a... It's just called Flex Pitch. So Flex Pitch is like Logic's Melodyne and it's super, super handy. So this is kind of like the intro vocals that we did. Happy hours now. So even that right there, I remember when we first recorded this track, the first bit, it took us like days and days just to get over this. Um, not only because she wasn't 100% satisfied with like the vocal production I did, it was just like very different for her to hear a voice in this tone. So I'll show you, I wish I, I might be able to get the original version of what it sounded like, but here it kind of is. So I'll play the first bit. Happy hours, not the same without you here. I normally would have been. So like even this, if I, even this part right here where it kind of like goes up to like a totally different hours that right there if i so i took off the vibrato and i think i changed the pitch a lot on it there's a lot of twang the hours not the same you can't really hear it there was a lot of a lot of vocal parts that if you know like country twang there was a lot of that and basically what i had to do is i had to cut down the vibrato and i really just had to flatten it out and keep the whole entire note on a certain key because when you do a twang you're almost like fluctuating your pitch up or down and uh, that's kind of where you get that vocal effect that band is still playing a pretty bad cover of yeah so it's like that band but it was like that that band she does like that and it really it really gets that up. band is still playing a pretty so yeah, that was it. Was really interesting to work on. I actually like grew up in the country, country right town of two hundred yeah. people. So like, I'm very familiar of with country music, and so I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Like, basically, what really makes the country song is like these little micro note shifts, basically, right? Where it's like yes, just just like really quick as they're singing a note, they like hop up to the to the to the next note in the scale or the, down to the next one or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, so I'm thinking about this in like an electronic context where most of the time we don't have that. And so yeah. editing this, this had to be... Yeah, you can tell like even just from the like the project alone, how many chops I did. And I never even bounced out to like a final version just because I knew I'd be editing it so much. But yeah, man, it, it took a while. I literally had to go through the whole entire thing and make everything. like, And it, it took weeks just to get certain parts right. The way I edit it, sometimes it sounded really bad. Um, and it's, it's different when you're working with like a vocal they have a different idea of what they want to hear but then you hear it so much as the producer that you kind of get used to how it sounds and then they come back and they're like oh that i really don't like that and you're like 
uh, it's kind of like an ego bruise, but you just have to be compassionate for both of you and work together. And I think that's that's the hardest part with working with any vocalist. Did you like write the vocal part for her that then she sang or, or, or did she actually write the part? Yeah. So she's a singer songwriter. So it was actually a really interesting process. So her and I worked together and I knew she was a country singer. She's pretty well known in the city. Just at work, she was talking and she's, I listened to some of her music and I was like, hey, I'd really, yeah, I know you do a lot of country, but but I can just hear something a little bit more tropical, a little bit more beachy. And I'd love to just like just do a collaboration project and work with this. So I went over to her house one day, first day we were working on it, just kind of like hanging out, seeing I had a track ready to go. And then another day I went over there, sat down and she's like, yeah, I wrote these vocals for about an hour. I was in my zone, have a listen. And she played it, like she sat down, grabbed her guitar and like played it right in front of me. All the vocals, like all the lyrics were already done. And I was like, that's like really, really catchy. And so she's like, cool, let's, let's go downstairs to the basement or whatever. So she literally sits down. I grab my iPhone recording or like my recorder on my iPhone. I put it on the table. She like plays a guitar and starts singing. And yeah, she basically had like all the lyrics written down. I mean, at one point we had to sit down and kind of like work on the second verse a bit together. But other than that, she's, she's pretty solid at just crushing out the, the lyrics and all that. So it was a pretty simple process. I know like dealing with the nuances of a different genre could be frustrating and like kind of yeah. just show up to someone's house and be like, hey, let's write a song. And they're like, okay. And within an hour, they're like, here's this, here's this. See you later. It's like, oh. yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. And then that way it's a lot easier Then you can just like, I basically just took that recording on my phone, brought it back to my house. And then you can just do the whole production side completely separate. And then when we were ready, we just, I brought her in and we recorded the actual studio vocals. Your your little uh, vocal samples, your little vocal chops, was that from her? Oh, yeah. So what I did with that, I think these are them. So what I originally did, I and I never changed it, which... Uh, as a producer, this is one thing that you'll never get over is you'll like hear the song a million times. You'll be like, even when it's released, you'll be like, oh, I could have changed that a little bit. The vocal chop that I used was actually an original sample from when I recorded it on my iPhone, which I kind of, it was a little bit more like distorted, a little bit different sounding. But when I brought it back to the studio, I just, I just used it because I was just flowing with it. So here it is. And so what I did is I just took the sample. Anyone familiar with uh, Logic? I just chucked it in EXS24 and just kind of chopped it up. And then I added a bit of compression, added some kickstart. I think on the drop mainly EQ'd it a bit. And then of course I used Camel Crush with like a British clean. I feel, feel like that's the best just to like really bring it out. And then I definitely a lot of reverb on it. I feel like there's another part too where I did, I used that same vocal sample, but then I did like a reverse. So I used the uh, the reverb off of it and I did a reverse sweep just to kind of add a little bit more of an uprise with it. I've, I've been noticing this uh, a lot with a couple of people that have been on where like it comes to like accompanying vocal parts or sometimes even like entire vocal parts. They've been recording them off their, their iPhone 5, their iPhone 6, their iPhone 7. And I'm like, yeah. This is amazing. This is this is the time that we live in where it's like... Yeah, dude, it's so easy. Like I record and I think we all have these moments when even when I'm driving and you hear like, you'll hear like this awesome melody in your head. So you just grab your phone and you just like hum it into your phone. But even like back to your, back to what you said, they're like really, iPhones do have really good recorders on them. So why not take advantage of that? And then I don't know, it's a little bit more fun too. It's you're stepping outside your outside the comfort zone. I here I'll uh, just show you the sample for the drop. I f- believe I used the same sample. 
So yeah, same sort of thing, a bit more gain, gain on it. And I believe for anyone that's familiar, I did use a sample delay. And so what, I don't know the theory behind it, I forget the name, but when you use sample delay, it's like this effect. It's all like in your human ears. So if you hear it, I know you guys are listening on mono, but basically if you just delay one ear just slightly, even by like eight milliseconds, that's like, that's kind of like the happy number right there. It actually kind of, it's like this weird thing where it sounds wider. Um, so I've been using that on a, a lot of like my different synths too. I know Waves makes one too that basically it just kind of like stereo widens it a bit and that's all it's really doing. So is that the, I use that. Uh, most part you know, is, is that the Haas effect? It is, yeah, yeah, the Haas, the Haas effect, sorry, that's, that's the thing. Gotcha. Yeah, and I, I think the, if I understand that theory correctly, it's because if you imagine, say, a sound coming from your right or your left, um, if you imagine the sound traveling at like a fixed speed, it will hit you one ear at one time and then it will take a few milliseconds for the sound to then hit your other ear. So when, so when your brain hears the same sound, say, eight milliseconds later in one ear than the other, then it's used to hearing that sound coming from the right or, or, or vice versa from the left. And that, I think anyway, is kind of how it sounds wide versus... Uh, coming at you from the central yeah it's kind of a cool effect too if you're not really good with like stereo panning and like widening it's a super simple way just to kind of like hear hear how you can like spread out different sounds in a track and it really adds a lot of depth too to make it really wide. and uh, did you did you have to tune that little vocal sample thing or, or did just go by ear? Uh, i don't think i tuned it i think what i did with the original sample um, is that I just made it really, really on key. And then so it was like almost like a perfect C major sample and then chop it from there. And then. So with a question with that, with your little, uh, your little melody that you got going on with your vocal chops, right? Yeah. Did you, just, did you just load that up into your ESX 24 and start playing it? Or did you write it and then, like, did you write it on a piano, the little rhythm? Yeah, so all of, before I even start production, I write everything in the piano. So I think what I did was I would have taken the vocals and then I just kind of sit with it for a bit. I listen to it. And then in my mind, I'm like, uh, what would go good with this? And I'm really, I don't want to like boost my ears or anything, but I know when I hear a melody, it just pops with me. So I can just, I can just listen to it and create a melody out of like any vocal or any chords. And so that's just kind of what popped up. So I believe I played it on the piano first. I was like, and then I took that on the piano and I was like, okay, well, I think a vocal chop would be really cool. Took like the best vocal chop I could find, really like tuned it up and then chucked it in the ESX and EXS and the rest kind of, it just flowed from there. And I don't think I changed it. I really just added a little bit more like more effects onto it. And that was, that was really it. Yeah. And, and one tip like for any up and coming producers is I, I find it so much more helpful. And you learn this at Icon Collective is write your, write everything on a piano first, like write your chords, write your melody, and then focus on the production. Because if you get caught up in the production side, like there's so many more elements that can just trip you up and you, you actually get further away from originally what you want to do. And also if it sounds good on a piano, like if you write chords and like a really good bass line and then um, you do like a sweet top line melody and it sounds good on a piano, when you produce it, it's going to sound so much better. So if you can just focus on that first. And then what, what I also do before even all of my projects are started is I'll take the, I'll take the chords up here and I'll just like 
plan, play it out like the whole entire length of the track that I want so that, you know, even like you have like a solid foundation as to what you're working on. So if it's like a three and a half minute song, then lay your chords out for three and a half minutes. And then you can kind of pick and choose like if you want like a second verse or like a like a bridge and all that. That's amazing. Yeah. But everything that you're saying right now is resonating with me from what I've learned at Icon too, but also just what yeah. I, in a practical sense when I'm writing songs where it's basically like the, the common trap, especially being a bass producer as myself, it would, what I'd fall into is I'd spend so much time on sound design. It sounds yeah. so much time on sound design. And so like in the drop, it would just, you know, it, it'd be crazy sound design, but melodically it would literally just be on the root note the entire time. And then I go in and be like, all right, here's the root, here's the third. Ah, okay, that's kind of cheesy, whatever, whatever. But then I started applying exactly what you're talking about before any of the sound design, before anything, you know, any yeah. or anything like that. I go in, I get my chord progression down. I try and write a melody. If I need to change the melody later, yeah. but I get that down first. Now, when I go to the drop or when I do anything like that, the melody stuff is already figured out. And so then I can yeah. start proper sound design according to that. And so what you're talking about right now has literally made my music that much more dense and beautiful and colorful you know what i mean yeah of course man i i think it's so so important and it's just a simple switch right you and if you think about it logically sound design does not come before like your music or your uh like your chords and your melody like your composition that that is like your foundation so if you've got no composition and everyone knows like there's there's good composition and there's bad composition so and there's good sound design and there's bad sound design, but I think composition is is everything. So, so do you, do you literally so starting right from the very beginning? Do you take a piano and then write the chords and then write the melody on top? And how 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 does, how does that all then transition into a, like a full a, a full arrangement? So I actually, and I may be a little bit different in this sense. So when I first come to a project, I love bass lines. Like that's my big thing. So I'll actually just like turn my keyboard down so I can get to like a super like a super low octave. And then what I'll do is I'll just like start doing like a, I don't even know, like a 16th note bass line. So it's, I might even have like an example of what I did, like even with the guitars. So if, I'll just kind of show you, but yeah, I'll use like a bass line first because you can write over top of the bass line. You can write the chords based on like the root note of the bass. So yeah. And you can you can kind of just tell like the bass is really what like drives the entire track. So I'll come in, I'll like do that. I'll see what like really f- like you have to listen to your body. Like your body will tell the truth. And so if you get chills from like a bass line, you're actually like is really really catchy and like that's what fits the song. Then you should go with it. And then I'll take that bass line. I'll write some chords over top of it, and I'll just like I'll lay it out. So I think the guitars I did that. So it sounds like this. So it's like, and the vocals were underneath it. And then, and then after that, I'll just, I will take, and this is all done in piano first. And then I will take the um, melody over top and I'll come up with something. I basically just left her vocals to kind of like compensate for that. I didn't really have to add a whole lot except for like the vocal sample and all that. And then, yeah, I just, honestly, the rest just kind of, once you're in that flow state, it all just kind of comes to fruition. Um, I think we can all relate with that. And especially when you have your foundation down, then everything you're adding on top of it counts. When you get trapped on something that's really insignificant, then that's, I don't think that's a good thing. But yeah, I do, I do love working with vocals first before I even start writing chords. Like once I hear the vocals... And I'm kind of weird that way. A lot of people like to write their tracks first and then get vocals to like complement over top. 
I like to just hear how people sing first and like come up with their idea and then I'll like add my idea underneath it to kind of like complement it because in most most cases the the vocals are the main part of the track. So question on on channel 63 what does that say? Yes. Central something something. Oh yeah. <laughs> So if you listen closely to the song, I don't even know what this is. It's something in Logic that I found. It's like a nature tree sound. I don't even know what it is, but I added it just to kind of like add some unique vibe to the song. Oh, it's waves. So you can like, it's super panned left and right. But that just kind of like adds some, a little bit of tension and a little bit of, yeah, a little bit of vibe to the start of the song. I love this because you're, if I remember right, so the song, how you're saying you wanted to make it a little bit more beachy, right? So you wanted it yeah. Tropical vibe. So you literally went and got like a, a, wave, yeah. a wave sample. Yeah. yeah. To set, yeah. set the environment. Yeah. I kind of feel like that's genius. You know, uh, we had Madoka on a couple of weeks ago and he, he explains that like you, you need Foley. Like Foley is amazing. You go and get Foley and you put it in, but subconsciously it puts you in the place where you want the person to be. You know yeah, I mean? exactly. And it, it sounds so cool too. It adds so much, like it's so, it just adds more characteristic to your song. Like if everything's just four on the floor, then I don't know, it kind of gets boring after a while. So you have to add your little touch. Also, another thing I'll share with you guys right now, which if, if you listen to the end of the song, you'll definitely hear it. And a lot of people have asked me, what is that noise at the end? But what I did, this is an actual recording from when we sat in her basement and we record, we were like, strumming out like the guitars and everything and just as she was singing i think she messed up at one point and she was here i'll actually let's see oh okay perfect we've got the whole thing she's, if she listens to this she's gonna be super embarrassed but that's okay a pretty sweet cover of <laughs> as if happy hour is not the same without you here so that's like the actual recording from when we first started so it's super reverby because it was like in her basement or whatever but yeah so i added that at the end and you can kind of hear it as it fades out and it just like adds her laugh and like it's just different and i think that adds this like the really nice touch to the end there i i think you could kind of hear like her twang in that as well in that like little vocal sample yeah, that's a really cool touch. Actually. It, it kind of reminds me of that, uh, was it Squirtz's track, Rock and Roll, Something Something Mountain, where, where he kind of had that like voicemail thing that I think his manager said or something like that, yeah. So and I've heard that in other tracks too, where, yeah, they'll just add like a little bit, like that humanized touch or things that like really resonate with them that nobody else will understand except them. So it's, it's kind of like an Easter egg in the song, if you look at it that way. Yeah, definitely. Also gives it that unique touch because that's not the sort of thing you'd find in a sample pack. So it's a, it kind of like almost not probably not consciously, but I think subconsciously, uh, it'll make the listener appreciate that it's a like not a remix. It's an actual like it's a vocal purpose really made for the track. Out of curiosity, how come you put that vocal channel in with like your drop snares and stuff? I have no idea, man. I think it was just like an ad, like a last minute thing, and I was like, oh, uh, I don't want to like because I was like in the mixing process. And in the mastering process, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to like create a whole another track. So I just, I literally just threw it in there and it <laughs> left it on. Oh, that's, a, that's an empty channel. So I basically just left it in my drum section and it works. So it still came out fine. <laughs> uh, was there anything in the track that technically wasn't right, but actually in the context, actually was like, no, this is actually pretty dope. So I'm going to do it. I really think the baseline... In context, like I totally could have used like more of a melodic bassline, 
but instead I used my touch to it. So you use like an offbeat kind of like grimy bass, which I don't think personally, like if it was like if Kaigo was producing this track, he totally would have never done that. But since it was my added touch, I decided to do that. And it's just, that was just my style. And that's just what I went with. Oh, I agree. So yeah, I believe other than that, I think, I think that was pretty much it. Through a conversation that you and I have had, your favorite mm-hmm. genre that you love to produce arguably is Melbourne Bounce, right? Yeah. Bounce is like my, Bounce is my genre. And this was super off kilt to that. Like this is definitely not something normal I would produce. It was more of like a fun project, but it ended up being something that I actually wanted to release. That's awesome. Um, But everything outside, like I love, and I love like a melodic, melodic track too. So I try to add like a melodic taste to like the, the bounce scene, which is typically not very normal. No, I I think that's awesome, dude. And you, you actually bring up a really, really good point because not only did you create something unique because I can hear the influences of bounce in here, but I mm-hmm. think you bring up something really unique that you created something different from what your fan base maybe would expect. And that's, right. you know what I mean? It's it's nice to see you taking elements of something that you know so well and, and endeavoring or, or going into something new. You know, I mean, what would you call this? Like, first yeah, see, that's the thing is like people listen to it, they're like, I don't even know what to call this. Yeah, I'm like, neither do I. And that's perfect because I don't think think it really needs it needs anything it is just it is just how it, how it is like when i produced it it came out the way it came out and i was happy with it and i'm still happy with it so we're just gonna leave it and we'll call it that and i believe that's that's really important is you just have to do what you have to do do it makes like do it makes you happy and what kind of like you vibe with so and one thing i recently learned is whatever you would listen to like in the car and would listen to all the time and like love and get chills from that's what you should be producing and yeah it, a lot of people are trying to produce music that's like going all mainstream and everything and that's going to be popular and they think they're going to get a record deal from it but it's not the case because at the end of the day like you're just not going to be happy doing it you're not producing you're not producing with your heart how much do you think about your i suppose how much how much much do you think about the expectations of your current fans when you're producing or is it completely separate from you actually uh, writing the track honestly i don't think i don't think it's relevant i don't i don't really bring that into the studio space it's just it's just not healthy if you do that because then you're, you're not producing for yourself. You're producing for someone else and you're producing for other people. And I believe that's, that's important when you're working with someone, when you're like producing for someone else. But if you're producing for like strictly a following, it's just, it's just not going to work. And you're, you're just not being true to yourself. So I, I don't bring that in. I'll just go into the studio. Like sometimes I'll produce side trance. And that, that's just stuff I just won't release because I know if I release that, people would be like, okay, dude, like, what are you, what are you trying to do? Um, so I guess... I'll produce it. I just won't release it. And I, I don't think, I think you should just do you. And I think Martin Garrix was a good example of that. Like he just released um, that one track that I think it's called There For You. And like a lot of his fans were pretty upset by it just because it's not like four on the floor, like his big grim style. And I think that's totally cool because that's just, that's just him doing him. And I think we should all be doing that. Definitely. Yeah. He kind of reminds me of Skrillex. Like, well, I suppose he, he's the reason I got an electronic dance music. But like, I would say... 70% of Skrillex's tracks from the last two or three years I haven't really loved. P- people get really annoyed about it, but in, in, in my eyes, it's just really not a problem because I, I can just simply choose to listen to the 30% of Skrillex tracks I like just just because he makes 70% that I, I don't like. That doesn't get in the way of the, the, the tracks that I, I do love. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's his music, so I guess he can really choose to make whatever. That'd be like someone telling you what to do, right? Multiplier would be like, <laughs> hey, you should not be on YouTube anymore. You should be doing this. You should be mainly focused on Facebook. I'm sure you'd be like, okay, well, no, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the fans think. 
Yeah. So uh, the two final questions that I had for you. So this is something interesting that I wanted to, that I heard about and I wanted to see, I want to test it right now to see if it, if it actually works. So with this country singer, by by the way, what what is this country singer's name again? Uh, Her name's Juliana Lane. Okay. So with Juliana, um, there's, there's been a science that comes out that says that when people sing together, uh, there's a huge amount of oxytocin that is uh, that's released into the brain. Oxytocin is the chemical that binds people together. Uh, for example, when you hold your child for the first time, you're flooded with oxytocin to basically bind you to your child, wife that you you gain over time, or your husband or whatever. And basically, you know, friends, you know, family members, so on and so forth. It's 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 the binding chemical inside your mind. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, studies that have come out that said when people make music together, specifically when they sing together. There's this huge amount of oxytocin that is released and basically binds these two people together. That's that's why when you sing in a choir with someone, those are some very fond memories, basically. So I'm wondering, did that apply here? Did that did that work out with you and Juliana? Well, personally I wasn't singing, but I think there was definitely that like connection. Yeah, especially in the early stages of the song. And I think especially for her too and myself, you get really attached to what you've created yeah i I believe like near the end of the project there was there was a lot of tension and so it almost felt like a relationship sort of thing because you're in a relationship with a project and it's a lot more than just like a business opportunity it's like you're working on something that truly came from your heart yeah man i i I do believe that's a thing if if you really feel it and you really vibe with what you're working on 100 percent, i think that happens all the time so that's that's a really interesting point you brought up. Yeah, the final question I have for you is the one that we ask everyone who comes on the show. Uh, I guess I technically have two more questions. Anyways, we'll get to that in a minute. So uh, okay. the one, the, the second to last question is, you know, if you could go back in time and basically sit with yourself while you're producing this track, let's say the vocals are recorded and everything, you're basically building the arrangement at this point, and you could sit with your your past self. What advice would you give yourself? What what would you be like? Hey avoid this, try this, you know, kind of a thing. You know, the whole process, there was a lot of self-doubt. So what I'm thinking would be, and this this might be off-kilt a bit, but to, if, I, if I was going back and I was to tell myself, I might have told myself just to take it easy, maybe work on this song as just like a project and like a learning experience and potentially don't release it. Just just really have fun with it. Don't Don't add the business side into it. Just make the song and kind of just like, let it float away and don't don't put the business side into it because there's a production side and then there's, and then there's a business where once you have the song, it's all like butterflies and rainbows. But then when you bring it into the business side and you're dealing with splits and you're dealing with where you're going to release it, who's going to promote it, all this, like it gets really, it gets to the nitty gritty and that's when like fists start to fly. So I don't know. I, I really don't have any regrets to be completely honest. I don't think I don't think I would change a thing now because I did learn a ton out of this experience and I learned, I learned a lot about working with other people. Um, so yeah, I don't, I think I would just tell myself, be patient. Don't be too hard on yourself and it's all going to be good in the end because you'll get this done and you'll be working on another one. <laughs> I like, I like, it. I mean, I think that's the most common answer to, the, to, to that question actually, just kind of like trust your, trust, 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 trust your instinct and don't, almost set too much of an expectation before you start. Um, I think almost every other person's answered that. So that's good. Yeah, Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So, and then the final thing that we do on the show uh, is basically we ask you, do you want us to give you feedback, our feedback on, on the song? 
Yeah, dude, let's let's hear it. And Adam, would you like be, be ruthless? <laughs> so something that I wanted to uh, touch on. So your guitars, what what guitars are you using? Are they in, are they in an? ES? So they're stock. Okay. Um, I think I used. I honestly just went through like Logic's stock guitars, um, and just kind of found like a different range. So I'm not 100 okay. sure what this is, but with like a certain amp. So that one's like a lower. And then I use like a Hawaiian ukulele, which definitely added a bit more. So that one's a bit wider. And then this one, I'm not sure what this is either. So that's super low. It's like a super. And then you get into like the main bit here. And then I added like a, like a Celtic harp. And then with all of that together, and I believe they're all um, stereo wide. So what was your what was your question, Wyatt? Yeah, yeah. So basically, uh, with me growing up listening to country a lot, one of my favorite parts of country was actually the tone and the texture of mm-hmm. country guitars. I love country guitars because I don't know how they do it, but the tone and the richness that comes from that is yeah. something with you. If you ever collaborate with uh, Juliana again or do any kind of country again, or you just want to experiment in general with that, I would highly encourage you to, to look up some some uh, country guitar recording techniques. Yeah, do like a live recording. I think that yeah. would be really cool. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain it. You just have to go and listen to it. There is something about country guitar that is different from rock or, or from anything else. It's just the tone of it is so rich. And so yeah. if, I could, if I could go back and give you advice, I'd be like, keep the melodic ideas that you've, that you've had with, with the guitars but try and get like a really authentic guitar because I feel like that could have added a lot of, I don't know, authenticness of tone to, to it and just like made it that much better. You know what I mean? Obviously, yeah. you didn't have the resources you didn't know, so you, you did a fantastic job just as with, with, with the stock instruments and everything. But that would be uh, something I would do. Um, and I guess the overarching concept would be, and I feel like you did a really good job with this but the overarching concept is when you are collaborating with someone especially someone that is not within the same genre as you go through that genre like consciously go through that genre whether it's their own songs or songs that are in that genre uh that, that aren't from them and mm-hmm. out your favorite things about that genre you know what i mean like if i was to collaborate with you I'd, i would go and listen to a crap ton of uh Melbourne bounce and pick yeah. out all my favorite things about that and bring those things to you and be like can we please incorporate X, Y, and Z because I love this. And then I would right. the same why, you know, I've listened to your bass music and your hip hop music and I really love X, Y, and Z. Can we please incorporate that and basically figure out how to fuse them together. You know what I mean? So that way it doesn't feel like one person slipping over the other. And this, does that make sense? Yeah, I know hundred percent. That's cool. good. So I think my only real bit of feedback is to really kind of double down on that like little personal touch you had. Um, so, so that like really cool like additional personal thing right at the end. Um, I, I feel like quite a few people might miss it just because maybe they start the song or, or listen for two and a half minutes and then maybe listen to the next song. So they almost might miss out on the opportunity to, to kind of feel that personal touch. So um, I suppose yeah, my only feedback would be just to yeah throw in more of them. Probably some some something at the beginning, like even if it's just like two or three seconds. So it's, so it's not like two long and then just kind of little little details here and there um maybe it's as vocal layers or something i'm not sure but uh just because yeah i think that's really big it's it's, it's a really big 
advantage because most people, to be honest, can't record vocals because it's too it's too difficult to get a vocalist in and, and to record it. So the fact you can and you can get a good vocal and you can get these little personal touches, uh, I, I, I feel like it could be yeah almost like doubling down on your strengths. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. We really appreciate this. Hey guys, yeah, thank you for having me. I really I really appreciate it um, going through all this. This was awesome. Hey, Daw Nation, hope you enjoyed this episode of Behind the Daw with White Light. If you did, please let us know down in the comments. But if you didn't, please let us know down in the comments. We want to make sure that we are making this podcast the best thing possible for you. So we're open to criticism. We're open to change. So please let us know what we can do to help you out to make this podcast better. So just to remind you, there are three links down in the description. One of them is for the Patreon so that we can keep these interviews going. Starts at $1 a month. The next one is if you want to give suggestions to who comes on the show, there's a link down in the description. Go ahead and click on that. And finally, there is a link down in the description for private lessons. If you want private lessons in electronic music production or social media marketing, go ahead click on that link. That is going to take you over to our DawBot. In fact, all these links are going to take you to the DawBot, but he will put you in the right direction. Again, if you like this episode, please comment, subscribe, repost, follow, whatever is appropriate on the particular platform that you're listening on, whether it's iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Deezer, YouTube, wherever you're at, we would love to have you do that. It helps us know that what we're doing is legitimate. So make sure to check out the next episode of Behind the Dot, the one right after this. It is the Behind the Dot episode with Scarlett. He was a teacher of ours at Icon. He's, he's really, really smart. He's done a lot of things. He's done stuff for uh, DJ Tech Tools. He's done things, obviously, for Icon. You know, he's, he's very well-versed in the industry. So go ahead, check that out. He's very, very smart. He also has a YouTube series, uh, or sorry, YouTube channel by the name of Big Jer. But we'll get into that in the next episode. So please go ahead, check that out, and have a fantastic day. Really, have a fantastic day. All right. Thanks so much, Donation. We'll talk soon.